Welcome to another episode of Do Loss, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about why mass shootings happen. So over the weekend, early Sunday morning, a shooting took place after there was a fight out in uh, downtown Sacramento, and there was a lot of commotion, a lot of brawling going on, and as you can see from the video, uh, there was just a, a lot of people down there, so when shots fired, everybody scattered um, pretty, pretty quickly, but uh, here's a video. And uh, uh, there's no graphic violence, but there is some violence in it. So just to give you a warning about that. So as you can see, there was very, uh, very, uh, a lot of commotion going on, and you could hear the gunshots firing back and forth, and and um, apparently six people died, and 12 people are injured, and of those 12, four of them are still in the hospital right now fighting for their lives. And then just within that same time span, over the last 48 hours or so, or so there was a couple of other shootings that took place in Dallas and San Francisco, and so... Of course, we have been here before where there's been shootings that take place that have um, over overtaken the culture and people are wondering why these are happening. What can we do to solve the problem? What is the root cause of these issues that take place within our, our country? And so uh, the world has solutions, obviously, and we'll hear a few of those, namely the Sacramento mayor, Daryl Steinberg. He came out with a statement and, and here's his statement. And so we don't know whether or not this involved underage uh, 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 perpetrators or even the victims at this point. But regardless, it's another call to action around investing more in youth and prevention and early intervention for our young people. That's ultimately the answer to so much of what plagues us. And so ultimately his solution is to invest in youth. His solution is to... Uh... Uh, to try to uh, go to the young people and, and do something for them that would take their uh, their aim away from uh, doing uh, acts of violence, committing committing acts of violence, particularly with guns. And uh, the victims uh, range from 21 to 57, by the way. So there's, there was a, a big range of victims there, but all of them over the age of 21. And so a lot of some of them were young, some of them were old. Um, so it's not necessarily the youth. We don't really know who um, was the culprit of the shootings. We there there has been an arrest made. Arrest has been made, but we don't know for sure if that was the the guy who did it. Um, and so there was another woman who spoke at this uh, at this uh, press conference, who is a city councilwoman for Sacramento, and here's her statement: Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I will travel anywhere I need to travel, and I will talk to whoever I need to talk to to get these guns off these streets and to give our youth what they need so that they can be successful and that they don't get shot down on K Street when they're out trying to have a good time. So thank you for being here today, and I hope it's the last time that I ever see you when something like this happens on the streets of my district. So she talked about giving children the opportunity to succeed 
and to getting guns off the streets. Now, we have to remember that guns are amoral. Guns cannot pick up and, and shoot themselves. They are the uh, they are at the at the mercy, really, of the people holding them. So whether you are somebody who's holding it for a good purpose or for a bad purpose, that determines whether or not the uh, the gun will be used uh, in a way that is evil or, or in a way that is good. And so we have to remember that it's not the guns that are the problem. It's the people that are wielding them that are the problem. It's the people that are using them for their own nefarious ends that are the problem. So the focus of the world wanting to focus on guns as if that's the central issue here is just taking your focus off the main issue that is going on. And because the world doesn't want to deal with the fact that people are naturally evil, people are naturally not good. The Bible says that we are that nobody's good. No, not one. And we all have gone all the way. We have all gone our uh, engaged in our own sin and wanted to do things our own way apart from what God has prescribed. And so the world, but the world doesn't want to acknowledge that truth because that would that would seek to uh, incriminate themselves as as them being bad people themselves. And because we all want to proclaim our own goodness, we all want to do and and show ourselves to be better than others. We're not willing to take that step and say no. We're all naturally evil. We're all naturally. Uh, born in sin, born in iniquity, and are engaged in evil acts all the all of the time, whether internally or externally. But in this case, obviously, external external actions took place. And Governor Gavin Newsom of California also offered up his uh, his assessment of this uh, tragic shooting, and he says, "What we do know at this point is that another mass casualty shooting has occurred, leaving families with lost loved ones." multiple individuals injured in a community in grief. The scourge of gun violence continues to be a crisis in our country, and we must resolve to bring an end to this carnage, end quote. So again, his focus is on the gun violence, and it's really just uh, a, really a meaningless term because guns cannot commit violence on their own. It's the people that are, that are doing the violence. What are the people, what are we going to do for people that are taking the lives of other people sometimes innocent, sometimes not so innocent, but what are we going to do to stem the tide of this violence? And, and the Bible has an answer for this issue. And firstly, we have to remember that it's not the guns that are the problem, like I've been saying. It's not the guns that are the, that, that are the cause of the problem, any more than food is the cause of, of obesity. Uh, it's, the, it's how much you eat, how much you exercise. There's all these other contributing factors that deal with how your body consumes food and how much of how much of your how much of your body you put to work in uh, consuming the calories that that food brings so it's not we, can, we don't blame the the amoral objects for our own sin because we are the ones who are sinning we are the ones who are enslaved to sin naturally so we don't we can't blame the guns and one of those uh, i think the earliest examples of that in the bible is in genesis 6 when god is commissioning moses to build a flood and he is giving his assessment of the world at that time. In Genesis 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So that's the natural state of man. Great wickedness. Every imagination of, of our thoughts is evil continually all the time. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says also that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So our hearts are naturally wicked, naturally evil. And uh, and this is the assessment that God had before he wiped the world out with a flood. In the same chapter, Genesis 6, verses 11 through 13, God also says, And God said unto Noah, 
or I'm sorry, let me back up and say the earth was the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So there we see that the earth was already filled with violence. And obviously at this time, guns were not uh, invented. The guns had guns had not been invented at this point in time, but there's still violence in the earth. So removing guns out of the way is just removing one thing that people would use um, to commit violence. There's all other kinds of ways to commit violence with just our bare, our bare hands or knives or any blunt object or anything really that you can find to create violence because we're corrupt, we're evil, we, we know how to create and invent evil things as the Bible says. So when we engage, when we try to focus on just taking away guns, we're just completely ignoring the root issue, which is the heart of man. So Genesis continues in verse 12, Genesis 6, 12, and it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so there we, we see again, God is saying that violence is filled in the earth. There were no guns. There was no gunpowder. There was no rifles. There was nothing like that back then. Uh, they had swords that had bows and arrows that had their fists. So all the, all of these things were, were, they were there at the time, but guns weren't, but there was still violence in the earth. So the guns are not the issue. The guns are not, not the problem. And again, as we, as I talked about before on the previous episode, that it's out of the heart of man that precedes evil things in Mark seven, verse 21, I'll bring that up again. And it says, uh, Jesus is saying that for, from within, for out of the heart of men, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So all of the evil that take that took that takes place within mass shootings, like in Sacramento and Dallas and San Francisco, these started within the heart of men. These started uh, by somebody hating another person, somebody's pride, uh, somebody's foolish thinking. Um, um, was at work within their heart that led to the actions that they took. And now the lives of six people are lost along with 12 others who were injured and four of whom are still within a critical case. These all started within the heart of man. This, this wasn't the fault of the guns. It wasn't the, the lack of resources. It wasn't the lack of opportunity is from within. It's from the natural state of who we are as human beings in rebellion against God, where we are naturally bent towards evil, bent towards hatred, bent towards uh, violence. As we've seen, in Genesis and now in Mark and reiterated again in Romans 1 where it talks about the descent of man's wickedness as when they reject God as creator as 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 the only Lord and creator of heaven and earth Romans 1 28 verse 29 and it says and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So it's not about giving young people the opportunity to do something else or distracting them from bad things and giving them good things. This, these are the things that they take pleasure in. These are the things that natural man takes pleasure in. We take pleasure in, in, in pride. We take pleasure in being disobedient. We take pleasure in, in, in gossiping. We take pleasure in murdering and debating and fornicating. 
all of these things are natural to us and we, and we love doing it because that's a, that's a natural state. So it's not that we are, that men have the, have a lack of opportunity or have a lack of, have money that, that causes these things to happen. As Jesus said, as Paul says in Romans, these things come from without, come from within the heart of man, because we do not want to retain God in our knowledge. We, and God, because of that, God gives us over to a reprobate mind, a mind that cannot function, a mind that enjoys doing evil. And that's the punishment of, of all of us who are, uh, who are in rebellion against God. And so what is then what is the solution? If the solution is not investing money, if, if it's not investing in youth and giving them an opportunity to go to school or to learn a craft, if if the if the solution is not focusing on the guns themselves, then what is the solution? What how do we stop people from killing people with guns? And the solution is in salvation in Jesus Christ. That is the solution. As Titus three verses one through eight says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. This is what this is what we need to do. This is this is Paul's telling Titus, telling those within his congregation that we need to be subject to the principalities, to the powers, to our local magistrates. That's that will um, that will bring peace amongst amongst people within a society to speak evil of no man, to not be brawlers, to not be out in the street fighting one another and hating one another. And Paul continues, and how, how are we able to do this? How can we do this? In verse three, it says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So we have to remember as Christians, when we see things like this take place, mass shootings, um, violence, any kind of wickedness in the world, we have to remember that that was us too. We, so we can't look at the world and say, "Well, look, look at those rubes, look at those evil men and women doing these evil things that are just distasteful and wrong." These are the things that we engaged in ourselves, may, and now it may not have been in the same form, but if so, the same damnable sin that we were engaging in, that God mercifully brought us out of and saved us, and, and caused us to believe on His Son, as Paul says in verse four of Titus three, where he says, "But after that." The kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That is the solution to mass shootings. It's that it's the love of God, it's the kindness of God appearing in Christ Jesus, regenerating us, renewing us, and, and shedding on us abundantly through uh, the, the, through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that we have a new, a new demeanor, a new heart, a new mind where we don't hate our neighbor, hate our neighbor, but we, we love them. We care for them. We want to, uh, see them succeed. We want them to be holy. We want them to be right. And because of our love for them, we don't want to kill them. We don't want to harm them. We don't want to bring shame to them. And ultimately we want to bring, uh, we want to please God. So by doing so, we are loving our neighbor which is one of the telltale signs of how do you know you're a genuine believer is if you have love for your neighbor, you have love for your, your family, your friends, your, and, and those around you. Because, um, as John says that if you, if you can't love those who you do see, how can you love God who you do see or who you don't see? But verse seven of Titus three continues and it says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they may that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So the more people have been 
have been saved, have been regenerated by the Holy Ghost, have a faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the more they're willing to love one another, the more they're willing to care for other people, the more they're willing to not uh, produce harm and, and, and gossip and, and hatred and, and envy and deceit and murder and all those things that we read about in Romans and in Mark, all of those things will be uh, will be put aside, will be put off because we'll, we will want to put on Christ. We'll want to uh, become like Jesus and, and love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and despitefully use us and say all manner of evil against us. We'll be willing to turn the other cheek. We'll be willing to engage and endure um, evil men and, and, and slander because of the love we have for our neighbor, knowing that it's the same love that God has shown us in our sin and our blasphemy and our fornication and our gossip and all all of the evil that we have taken place or have uh, engaged in. God showed us love still by feeding us, by clothing us, by giving us families and friends, by allowing us to laugh and to enjoy the world that he created while we were in rebellion against him before he brought us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so that's this, that's really the, the root solution to solving the issue with mass shootings. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in a broader sense, in society, I think there are, there's another thing that we need to do, and, and it's holding people accountable. And this is what this uh, Sacramento uh, County uh, attorney was saying in this clip here. Well, uh, you know, as, as a leader and somebody that has been both in the courtroom and the community, we have to... We have to hold people fully accountable. You know, sadly, we've had, you know, uh, we've had a lot of things happen in the last two years. We've got a tsunami of things. We've got a number of different policies and things like that that are impacting prosecutors' tools of holding people fully accountable. So, you know, that's what we need to be doing. You know, nobody wants illegal guns on the streets. Nobody wants somebody to use a gun when they shouldn't have a gun in the first place. So when somebody does commit a crime with a weapon, and they're a felon or they're a prohibited person, we have to be willing to go after them as aggressively as we can and make sure that they're fully accountable for the crimes that they commit. So she's saying if we hold people fully accountable, we'll be able to deal with some of these issues and, and, and alleviate some of the crimes that take place, which really is a biblical uh, mindset to have. Because in Deuteronomy 13, it talks about how there's a false prophet that, arise, that arises and tells you things that are bad, that are leading you astray. Uh, this is what God says that you should do with that prophet. In verse 5 of Deuteronomy 13, it says, And that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So God is saying, someone that leads you astray, this prophet that claims to be speaking for me, if he leads you astray from me, Put him to death. Put an end to his to his uh, to his lies, to his deception. And it continues, and and this is something that is kind of shocking to read God saying, but this is how this is how much He cares about His about His holiness. And He says, "If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known." Thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth, which again shows that God is the only God, and it will be the only God from the beginning to the end, that there is no other God but him. In verse 8, it says, Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all 
the people. So God is saying, if this is your wife, if this is your son, if this is your daughter, this is one of your, the closest friend, the one that you love, even as much as you love yourself, God is saying, you should be the first one to put this person to death. If they are going to commit a, a crime of high treason as uh, taking you away from, from me. And he continues in verse 10 and, and says, and thou shalt stone him with stones that he die because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And now verse 11, here's the point. And it says, and all Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. So the, the whole point of that passage is to say that if somebody is doing evil and wickedness, something that really in regards to murder, Lead, you know, leads to the death of, of innocent victims, we should put them to death. God is saying that these people need to die so that all those around will hear will hear and fear and not engage in the same behavior. And uh, also in Deuteronomy 17, verses 8 through 13, uh, God says, If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, between blood and blood, between plea and plea, between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall, shall show thee. And thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee, according to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee. Thou shalt do, thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show thee to the right hand or to the left. So God is saying here that if you have a case that's just difficult to, to really adjudicate, it's hard to really get to the conclusion, you know, find out exactly what went, what went wrong, who's at fault here. Go to the Levites, go to the certain place that I tell you, go to the judge that's there. And whatever he tells you to do, you do it. That should be the, that should be the judgment. That should be the sentence that you do. Don't do the, don't do anything differently than what this judge this specific judge tells you to do. And now here's a penalty for somebody who doesn't want to follow the final judgment of this judge. God says in verse 12 of Deuteronomy 17, he says, and the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And why shall he die? It says, and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. So again, the, the point is that if somebody is not going to submit themselves to what the law of God has established or what the judgment is or what, or what the sentence is in this context, that person shall die. Why should that person die? Why should that person die? It's because that the rest of the people will hear and fear and will not do presumptuously. Because if one person gets away with disobeying what the judge has told him to do, then more people are going to be emboldened to disobey what the judge tells them to do. It's just that simple. Um, and God knows our human hearts that if we see somebody getting away with something wrong, we also are going to be tempted to do the same thing, which is why within even within the context of the church, even though we don't put people to death, the whole point of bringing people's sin to the forefront is so that people in the church will hear and find out, wow, this place <laughs> is going to expose your sin if you're not willing to repent and to turn away from your sin. If you keep engaging in behavior that is not in accordance with the law of God, the pastor will announce your name to the church and embarrass you and for the for the point of bringing you to shame to the point where hopefully you come to repentance but also for the intended effect of of convicting everybody else who is there who realizes wow if i don't get my sin under control if i don't repent of my sin and, and turn from it i too will be exposed to the to the greater congregation 
And so when it comes to these things, it's holding people accountable. When people kill somebody, they need to be put to death, which is the, the preeminent law that God gave after he, uh, after he uh, killed the entire earth, except for Noah and his sons. The first law that he gave them after that was that whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. So if you kill somebody, you need to uh, suffer the death penalty and rather quickly. Because when you have these long, drawn-out sentences, I think last time I saw the average amount of time from somebody who is who kills somebody and is convicted and is in jail and is on death row. I think the average now is 225 months or something crazy like that. Um, and so when you have that kind of long, drawn-out process, that doesn't that doesn't really bring anybody to fear. Because if, if it takes that long to bring somebody to death who you know committed a murder, why should anybody be afraid of... of, of you know, being put to death when it takes that long to put somebody to death, when there's so much bureaucracy that is engaged in just ending somebody's life who, who has been convicted of murder. And so when you don't hold people accountable, these kinds of things keep happening over and over and over again, because nobody's really being held accountable uh, in, in the judicial system for the, for the uh, crimes that they do chiefly murder. And so, but the chief, again, the chief, the chief solution is salvation in Jesus. The chief solution is people who are repentant and believing in Jesus, because when you believe in Christ, you have a completely total, uh, out, different outlook on life. And the Bible says, old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. So you have a desire to please God. You have a desire to walk in holiness, to, to walk in righteousness. You have a desire to love your neighbor and not engage in brawling and murder and, and deceit and envy and, and hatred and all those things that, that lead to death. And so th this is why mass shootings happen. This is why they keep happening and will continue to happen until the hearts of men and women are regenerated, re regenerated to believe in Jesus Christ, to trust in him and to love their fellow brothers and sisters without, because without knowing Christ, you won't be able to love them as God would be pleased with you loving them. And so, um, this is the this is the end this is the end goal of, of of ending sin of ending mass shootings is having people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, thank you for listening today. And uh, if you didn't catch the interview yesterday with Angel Silva, it is on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Uh, we sat down and talked about his life and, and ministry and his his testimony of coming to Christ. And so, if you missed it yesterday, it's still available for you to listen to on YouTube, on Facebook, and also as a podcast to listen to. So. Uh, take it, uh, give it a listen when you get a chance. But thank you for listening today, and I will see you on the next episode of Do Loss.